Today, these days, remind me a lot of what I read about the days when Christ walked on the face of the earth. When he got here, um, of course he knew what was already going on, but when he got here, he, he found a religious system that was just complicating everything, making everything confusing. We, we talked a little bit last week about the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, the priests, the scribes, you know, and uh, there, there were even more sects of, the, uh, of, of Judaism then. And how they just, they, they just all, and they were fighting over the different things and they were adding things and were making it confusing. They were trying to make some things more important than other things and they were making their things the most important. They were adding rules, uh, ways to get to God and things that you would have to do to get to God. I mean, one of the crazy things they did, you know, just, just kind of thought of this is that they, they had these phylactery things. They had these boxes they would put scriptures in and tie them to their arms or tie them to their heads. And, and, and kind of like the bigger your phylactery was, the more holy you were supposed to be or something, you know? And so they, they, they were doing these crazy weird things, making it real confusing. I mean, really getting it to the place that hardly anybody could really measure up to what it took to be a good Jew back in those days, to be, uh, you know, religious. And so often Jesus, he, he would condemn their attitude. But there was one time, this is in uh, the book of Matthew, there was one time that Jesus um, kind of called them out on it, but he did it in such a way like, pay attention here. It wasn't just like, in your face, you know, hey guys, you got it all wrong, but it's, he really was trying to teach them something here. Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 13, uh, Jesus is going to quote Hosea here, the prophet from the Old Testament, and he says, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, uh, but those who know they are sinners. So, so Jesus is saying, uh, you know, and, and that he didn't come just to call the ones who think they're righteous, like the Pharisees or the Sadducees. I mean, if you read the Gospels, that's what you pick up, is these are the guys who thought they were better than anybody else, even in the sight of God. You know, and, and, and sometimes, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't feel worthy I don't feel worthy of, of the life of Christ, the blood of Christ being shed for me. I don't feel worthy of his grace. But the good news is right there. You don't have to be worthy. Jesus didn't come to those who think they are worthy of him. He came to those who know they aren't worthy of him. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's who he came for. But he says there, he's just quoting Hosea. So he's kind of he's getting on these Pharisees, these religious leaders. He's quoting Hosea. And he says, it's not the sacrifices, it's the mercy. Now, God's not saying stop sacrificing. He's not saying that. But Hosea was talking about it. Now, Jesus is talking about it. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit today as well. It's not just about the sacrificing. You also have to show mercy. You know, so, so, so if you live the rest of this week... And you don't show uh, love and mercy. You're not, you don't go acting, go out acting in love and mercy. Then your Sunday religion is useless. It's useless. What we do here for an hour and 15 minutes is worth nothing. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as well. So here we have Hosea saying this, Jesus is saying it, and now Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians 13. And we know this, if, no, no matter what we do here for an hour and 15 minutes, if, if we go out in the community and we don't also show love and mercy, then this is useless. You know, and, and uh, it's distressing on a pastor sometimes to see, to see this happen, especially 
you know, it's going to happen right after church today. Some of you are going, going to, going to uh, a restaurant to eat lunch, right? Some of you are going to do that this afternoon. You're going to leave here to go, go to a restaurant right after church, and you're going to get there, and because you didn't come to the 9 o'clock service, you're having to fight all the crowds. Just a little plug for the 9 o'clock service. You want to get ahead of the crowds, okay? But you get there, you know, and so, so you know, you're, you're already like, ah, you know, can't get us a seat. Can't, says it's going to be a 45-minute wait. So you're already a little anxious, nervous, and, uh, you know, worried about that a little bit. So then you go sit down, and, and then your waiter or waitress, you know, uh, you order sweet tea. They bring you sweet tea. You get about half, you know, Half of it you drink, and, and uh, your glass is half empty. They come back, and so they, they fill it with unsweet tea, right? And then, and, you know, and what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You know, it happened to me last night. I'm so thankful that, uh, you know, I didn't cuss them out or wave at them with 20% of my finger or whatever, or my hand or whatever, you know? I, I'm so glad I didn't get, so I can preach this this morning, you know, because in that moment, in that moment, you remember from the, have the opportunity to give Mercy. You know what mercy is? You remember from the simple grace message? Grace and mercy? It's the unmerited, it's the unearned, it's the unwarranted favor of God. And so in that moment when your waiter or waitress does not deserve a good attitude out of you because they did something stupid, you know, that's your opportunity then to give mercy. And so what God says, it's not all about this. You don't clock in, you know, at 1030 and at 1145 you clock out and you just go, act. no, no, no. You're supposed to then still act in love and mercy. They weren't doing it though. I mean, it was all about these things and the stuff they were doing. This is the phylacteries and the, and the sacrificing and everything. And so Jesus wanted, he just, he just wanted to debunk all of that and get rid of that. Let's, let's, let's dump all of this junk out of our minds and our heads and let's get back to the simple who God is. And Jesus came to show us that so very simply. He simply came. I would think, you know, if, if I were God and my son were going to be born on the earth, I would think there would be celebrations, there would be parades, there would be speeches, you know, it would be all this. And, and, and Jesus just was born. He just was simply born like me and you are born. Well, not quite like us because, I mean, you know, he was born in a place where there wasn't room in the inn, you know, in dusty little town of Bethlehem, a place that's totally off of our radar, you know, spiritually speaking. I mean, who, where's Bethlehem? If, if Jesus hadn't been born in Bethlehem, most of us would have never heard of Bethlehem. You know, we wouldn't even know it. But Jesus was just simply born. And he simply lived. He, just, he, he lived simply. He didn't live a, a, a wild and crazy life. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't interested in keeping up with the Kardashians. He just lived a simple life. And he taught simply. Sure, he, he taught deep stuff. He taught precepts that, that, that nobody had ever heard before, but he taught them in such a way that people could understand. He taught simply. He used parables at times. And sometimes uh, th those people who are really, you know, kind of the religious leaders, whatever, they didn't understand the parables. Sometimes he would do that and it would hide it from them. But those who really wanted to understand, they could understand he, he taught simply. And this says, uh, then up here I say that he prayed and he forgave and his truth. That's the first three messages of the sermon series, remember? Simple prayer. And that simple prayer that we, that we preached about in the first message of this series, that simple prayer, we talked about the Lord's prayer as, as he was saying, here's your model, here's, and it's just very simple. It was his prayer. Jesus is the one that brought us to that. And he talked about those who like to stand with their, you know, and with their, with their long flowing robes. And he likes, he, he talked about how they wanted to do things to be seen, you know, and 
pray those big prayers with those big words and, and be seen. And Jesus said, no, 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 just simple. Here it is, guys. He just simply prayed. He just simply talked to his father. He simply forgave others, like, like simple grace. It's like a sermon of this, mess, of this series. Simple grace, simple forgiveness. That it wasn't about all this stuff and all these things, that actually you couldn't do enough stuff to get his grace and forgiveness. You, you can't worry. It's not about works. It's not about that. It's just simple, simple grace. And then it was his truth. Last week we talked about truth. It was his truth. His truth that was simple. Based on the two things, loving God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Simple truth. You want to know if something's right or wrong? Is it, is it loving God with everything you got? Is it loving your neighbor as yourself? Just very simple. And it was, it was his truth. It's very simple. That's how Jesus came. And he did that to say, you guys forget about all those phylacteries and that kind of stuff. And, and, you, and you just, 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 just get back down to simple. Love God and love your neighbor. But here we are, 2,000 years ago, and men are making it confusing all over again. Amen? I mean, you know, I study a good bit. I hope that comes across in, in my sermons, you know, that I do study, you know, and, and sometimes I, I'm looking something up and I'll Google, you know, and I'll Google a question just to try and get something real quick and I'll find an article. Sometimes articles come up that nowhere near what I was looking for, but somebody has twisted scripture or twisted a truth or something and they're teaching something so out. It's like, where in the world did they, did they pull this stuff out of the sky, you know? It's like, where do they get this? They're so way off in left field. It's like nowhere near, you know? So I see this stuff a good bit. I, I see it. I mean, it's out there. And if you try to, if you try to use the internet as your Christian education, you are going to be confused. It would be like sitting in the street, in the middle of the street with Jesus back in the day when he was living here and having the Pharisees teach you and then the Sadducees come up and teach you, the Herodians come up and teach you, the scribes come up and teach you, and have them all teach you and just go around and around and around. You'd be confused. That's, that's what's happening here today again. And what we need to do is just get back to simple. So let's talk about simply who Jesus was. So who is Jesus? And I, I think one of the things that, that makes it simple is to just look at some of the, the, the names or the titles that he has, the positions you could maybe could say as well. And, and, and I went through a whole lot of these and, and all of these scriptures are, are, are on the Sunday's page that Brent was talking about. You can click and, and go there. And then also there's a, a, a lot of other stuff at the very end, a lot of things that I just, you know, as I, I just built all this stuff and I had to take a lot of it out and I put that at the end also. Some of the titles that Jesus gave himself. So a lot of that's there. So plenty of stuff for you to study later uh, as you look deeper. But here's, here's just a few, just six titles of, of, of Jesus. And these help us kind of make it, keep it simple, okay? So let, let's look at these. I'll show you what I mean. It's, it's just real simple. First of all, Jesus, and these are in kind of chronological order, um, kind of in the scripture, these are in chronological order. Jesus, when he was born, we were told, and actually it was prophesied by Isaiah, and then when he was born, it was prophesied also that his name would be called Emmanuel. Now I know, yeah, they called him Jesus, but he has, he has all these other names too. And he would be called Emmanuel, because, which means God with us, God with us, that God is with us, that, 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 that the God of this universe has come to be with us, that he's no longer just somewhere in the universe and, and sending us messages, but now he has come to be with us. This God is with us. Okay, so Jesus is 
God that has now become man. And, uh, you know, there's some things I don't really understand about God, you know, but he was, the way I see it, the way I understand it, he was 100% God and he was 100% man. I know you can't do that, right? You can't have that, but he was. He did, he did not leave any of his divinity behind when he became a man. He was still 100% God. There's something else I don't understand about God, and that is this Trinity thing, okay? So when we say Jesus was God, sometimes you'll hear us say Jesus, sometimes you'll hear us say the Father, God the Father, you'll hear us say the Holy Spirit, this Trinity thing. I, and if you've been here a while, you've heard me say this. My math brain will not allow three to be one and one to be three, but that's what God says he is. I'm, th- I'm one, but I'm three, I'm three, but I'm one. First John five and seven specifically says that. And so you know what? I, I have people all the time tell me, well, I understand it. Let me explain it to you. No, you don't understand it. And, and you know, you can't really understand God in all of who he is. And so what some people say, well, if you can't understand him, then well, I'll just forget it. No, 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 that's not it either. Now, you can't fathom all that God is, but then he teaches us in ways that we can understand. Three is one, one is three. And say, I, I don't fully understand that, but I get it. I get it that he is more. Here's an example. This afternoon, if you were to go to a, a sci-fi movie where aliens were showing up at, on the earth, right? And, and they show up here and they're from another galaxy, another planet, right? Or maybe they're even from another dimension. And when they show up, you know, they, 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 they explain themselves to us. And, and they say, now, here's something you need to understand is as I'm just one, but really there are three in me, but I'm, I'm just one, but there are three. Now, you would not get up and walk out by B because of that, right? Because you had already, just by being there in a sci-fi movie, a movie about aliens coming, you would already be thinking in your mind that there's going to be something different about these aliens, Correct. You'd be thinking that. There's going to be something different. And if they're from a different dimension, there's going to be something extremely weird about them. You know, we've got three dimensions. And if they come from a place that's got four dimensions, you know, then there's going to be some things about them that is extremely weird. So for them to say that and for them to be different, it doesn't blow your mind. It's actually, that's what I was thinking. There's going to be something weird about them. You know, and so, you, and so you, you wouldn't just throw it away. Actually, what, what really seems weird to me is when you go to a movie that has aliens and the movie never explains why they look exactly like us and they speak in American English. You know, American, everybody in the galaxy speaks American English, you know? You know, you'd think every once in a while they'd throw in somebody with a, at least an Aussie, uh, you know, uh, uh, or, or maybe a Jamaican, you know, accent or something. You'd think something in there, right? A little different, but... If there were no differences, then you would, you would kind of be let down. Same thing with God. When we look at God, when we, when we try to explain who God is or we try to fathom who God is, God is like on a different level than we are. He is like from a different dimension than we are. I, I don't know how many, we got three, I don't know how many dimensions God might have. And so I immediately know that there are going to be, I am expecting there to be things about God that I don't understand. You know, and as a matter of fact, if God told me that he was exactly like me and that he wasn't somewhat more complicated than me, I'd be let down just like I would, you know, in the sci-fi movie, right? I expect God to be much more amazing than my frail human mind can understand. But even in that, what he does is he tries to explain himself. I am one that is three, I am three that is one. And so I don't fully understand it, but I get it. 
That's what God does for us. That, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Secondly, he's our Savior. And we're meaning our Savior that he has saved us from our sins. Now, here, here, here's, a, here's a, a, a limitation I think we put on this thing because I think a lot of people, they, they hear that, you know, save you from your sins, and you say, okay, yeah, well, good, okay, I'm saved from my sins or whatever. And, and people don't really get that. Okay, yeah, I know I need to be saved from my sins, but we, we, we don't really get that. It's not just the being saved from the sins. It's what being saved from your sins does for you. If you were to commit a crime this week, Okay, commit, you commit a crime and you get arrested, you go, to, you go to court, the judge sentences you, and then, and then say you pick up the phone, you call the governor, you have, you have your attorney call the governor, and you ask, for, you ask for a pardon or clemency, or if it's a federal crime, you, you petition the president for pardon or clemency. And, and, and if you get that, the reason you are excited about it is not just so you can run around town and say, hey, I've been forgiven of that. You know, and, and, and all that. It's not just that you, you, you get the partner, you get the claims. It's not just that you're excited about that. It's the fact that now you don't have to pay the penalty. Your, your, your record is expunged, it's wiped clean. And, and you, don't, you don't have to go to prison or go to jail. So you do not become part of the imprisoned population, but you get to come back home to everybody, right? You see where I'm going with this spiritually? is that when we get forgiven of our sins, the exciting thing is not that, hey, my sins are forgiven, but why we need our sins forgiven is because we, we, we have committed things, we have done things, we have been rebellious, we have been disobedient, we have been sinful, and, and yet when, when our sins are forgiven, we have been given a pardon, we have been given clemency, our, our record is expunged, it is wiped away, we no longer have to pay the penalty, we don't have to go to prison, and we are no longer have to be, having to be part of the population of those who are in prison and bound by our sins, but we get to come home and be a part of the family of God and be a part of who Jesus is. It's the result of the forgiveness of sins. That's why it's important to have the Savior because we no longer have to pay that. He's also our friend. In, in these verses of Scripture right here, Jesus tells the disciples, I've called you servants up to this point, but no longer that, I'm calling you my friend. Now this passes on down to the rest of the church. Jesus says, I call you my friend. Do you, do you know what that means? You ever had somebody introduce you and say, hey, here's somebody, so-and-so, whatever. I don't really know a lot about them. I just met them or something. I wouldn't mean a whole lot, would it? That'd be kind of a bummer. But what if they said, hey, here's so-and-so, I want you to meet them because they're a good friend of mine. Now that feels pretty good, right? Kind of gives you a little warm fuzzy inside. And for Jesus to say that, Jesus identifies with you as friend. That's what he wants to, he wants to identify with you as friend. He is not just some, some, some God in, in, in the universe somewhere, you know, and he's not just a savior who just wiped your record. He also wants to come and he wants to be your friend. And, and, and he's our prophet in, in the book of Luke. Here's a, here's a little pointer here, Luke chapter four. Here's a little uh, a pointer to you, a little, little tidbit, a little tip. When you see something like Luke chapter four, Okay, that's the fourth chapter of the book of Luke, the story that Luke is telling, you know, what he knows and remembers about the life of Christ and all that Christ did. That tells me it was early on in his ministry, okay? It was early on in the life of Christ. We know Luke chapter, or you might know that Luke chapter two is where we have the story of Jesus' birth. So Luke four has got to be really early on in the ministry of Jesus. About all he's done at this point is he's just selected his disciples. And now in chapter four, 
He goes into the synagogue and they hand him, they let, they, they let him read scripture that day. And so they hand him the scroll from Isaiah and he rolls it out, rolls it out, and he gets to the place that he says was prophesying about him coming. And we're, I'm not going to read that, but the, the link is there on the, uh, the Sunday's page. And, and he reads this and, and here's basically, and I want to I, I tell this to you because I want to paraphrase. I want you to see everything, what I see that he is saying. Is he's saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to prophesy. He has anointed me to speak so that there will be deliverance, so there will be freedom, so there will be liberty, that those who are in bondage will be set free, so there will be miracles, so there will be healing, so those who don't see will, will have their sight come back. There will be healing. He has given me this anointing to prophesy over you so that your needs are met and so that you are set free, so that you have freedom and deliverance and power, like we were singing just a few moments ago, that we are free, and, and, and he has become now our prophet. And that's why, we, that's why we need him in this way is because he, he's the prophet. He needs to, you need him to be speaking over your life. And, and some of you are thinking, well, I've never had him speak over my life. Yeah, he wants to every single day. You know, when you're, when you're reading, especially if you're reading in the Bible and, and you're reading in the New Testament or, or especially maybe as well reading in those gospels where it's actually about Jesus and you read the words and you read those words and, and he says something about your situation. When you read the Bible, it says something about your situation. Don't say, hmm, that's interesting. You need to say, wait a minute. This is the word of God. This is prophesying into my life. This is prophesying whatever, whatever this is that I need in my life. This is prophesying into my, and you need to take that that day and allow that to become your prophecy from, from God's son, Jesus Christ. Let that to be the prophecy over your life. If you need a healing and you run across the, the place where it's talking about healing, say, that's prophecy for me today. If you need financial, if you've got a financial need and, and you run across something, there's a promise that you need to say, and that's God prophesying over you. Jesus Christ has become our prophet. And, he's, and he is our risen king. Now what that basically means to me is, is when he got up on the third day, when he got out of the grave, when he rose from the dead, then he was king over everything. Because the word of God says the last enemy is death. Well, Jesus has already whooped that one. He just hadn't whipped it for me and you just yet because we hadn't died, but he's already beaten that enemy too. And if that's the last enemy, then that means he is, if he's king over death, he's king over everything. He is the risen king. In Colossians chapter two, uh, these verses of scripture kind of speak to a lot of a lot of what I've been saying over the last one. Okay, there on that previous that list that we're going through, uh, it says a lot right here in this. So I want to read this one. Okay, the rest of them are linked on Sunday's page, but I want to take time to read this. In Colossians two, verse 13, 14 and fifteen. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled, pardoning, or, or giving clemency, canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. This is legal. What you and I deserve, what you, what, you know, the, the, the uh, penalty that we ha had spoken over us or the, you know, the, what, what we deserve to pay or the imprisonment that we should have to deal with, it's legal. It was, it was legally spoken against us because we've been rebellious. We've been in sin. We've done wrong. The, 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 he canceled, though, this charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. The charges against us condemned us but he has canceled them. He has taken it away. He has expunged our record by nailing every one of them to the cross. He has taken our record and nailed it to the cross. And then he goes on. That's just what he's, he began with. But now he goes on and says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, talk about spiritual powers and spiritual authorities, okay? 
He disarmed them. Having disarmed the the spiritual powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Here's what I understand that verse to be saying. Is, you know, when Jesus was bleeding and dying on the cross, the spiritual powers and authorities that had, in, that had incited the crowd, had stirred the crowd up to, to cause, and talk about the Jews, it stirred those, those Jews up to cause the Romans to crucify Jesus. These spiritual powers and authorities, when they saw Jesus bleeding on the cross of Calvary, they thought they were winning. They thought they were killing Jesus and they were putting an end to his ministry. But what they didn't realize, you know, like, like this afternoon, when, when you get that waiter or waitress that's been having a tough day, or, or maybe it'll be this week at school or, or at work or maybe in your family, and you get that. You know, when, when, the, when the waitress spills a, a, you know, a pitcher of tea in your lap this week, you know, you have the opportunity to give mercy. If the waitress gives you perfect service, goes above and beyond, they don't need any mercy. But it's when they're messing up, you get the opportunity to give them mercy. When, when one of your kids messes up this week, you get the opportunity to give mercy. In the same way, when Jesus was dying on the cross of Calvary, they thought they were putting an end. These, these powers and authorities thought they were putting an end to his ministry. But what they were doing is they were, they were putting him into death, giving him the opportunity to win the victory over death. And when he did that, it said he didn't just do it a little. It, he made a spectacle, a public spectacle of them so that today when we talk about the crucifixion, we revel in it. We revel in, in Easter. We revel in his ability to get up on the third day. And you ever heard this, 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 this thought here? That if you have to tell somebody you're in charge, you know the rest of that, right? You probably aren't in charge. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't just tell everybody. He was the king over everything. When he got up on that third day and walked out of that tomb with his life in his hands, when he walked out of that tomb, he proved he was God over everything. Amen? Amen. Yes. And we revel in that. Triumphing over them. How? By the cross. And some of you, some of you have your own cross you're dealing with this morning or this week. And it looks to you like it's a, it looks to you like it's a, a disaster. It looks to you like it's going to be a loss. It looks to you like it's going to go in the L column, right? This is not going to be a win for us. But that's what that looked like. That, that's what that cross looked like to everybody except God. And, and so whatever your cross is, whatever your situation is today, that's the, what it looks like to everybody except God. And you remember that he can triumph even over and through your cross. And back to the list. Today, he's also our priest. This is the book of Hebrews, and and, uh, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians, and they understood this thing about priest, priest, priest. They understood this. So So the writer, we think it was Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews, he was explaining, here's who Jesus is, and he says this a lot in the book of Hebrews. He is our great high priest, meaning that he has ascended back to the right hand of the Father. Now, this part of God that is the Son, Jesus, and this part of God that is the Father, they're reunited, and they are there. 
And he is there. He is praying for us. He is making intercession for us. He is mediating for us. And that, and that, you know, God knows everything, but Jesus there beside him, he is the one that is making sure that God is paying attention to us. He is the part of God today that is making sure that he sees your cross. He sees the thing that you're dealing with today. And he is making sure that the Godhead, as sometimes people call it, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he is making sure, he is the one making sure the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit knows this is what you're dealing with today. He is our great high priest. And this is the Jesus that invites you to follow him today. This is the Jesus. He just invites us to follow him. Follow him. Just to follow him. You remember that sermon on simple grace just two weeks ago? Grace is free. You can't earn it. But there is some following to do. And uh, the quote from the Quest Study Bible says, people follow Christ's teachings not to become saved, but because they are saved. You cannot do anything to earn salvation, but when you become saved, it makes you want some following to do. And Jesus invites you to follow him today. If you'll follow him, all of those things that on, the, on that previous page, that long list, if you will follow him, you have all of those things. That's who you have in Jesus. Let me show you real quickly, if I can, Matthew chapter 28, again, you remember that little tip I gave you earlier, Luke chapter four, that's early. Matthew 28, that's late, right? In the life and ministry of Jesus. There's probably not many more after chapter 28, is there? Actually, this is the last one. This is, this, these are the last words that the, the uh, disciple Matthew, that these are the last words that he remembers Jesus saying and he records for us. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Jesus invites us, and the invitation is first this, identify with me. He invites you to come and follow him and identify with him. Be baptized. When you are baptized, and listen, if you've never been baptized, you need to hear this. When you are baptized, you are identifying with his death and resurrection. When you go into the water and you come back out, you are identifying with him. You know what? I, I've seen a lot of people uh, this morning with the uh, 2911 shirts. So look and see if somebody's got one on in here. There's several of them in the first service, uh, Dream Team shirts or whatever. I love to see you guys in those, especially out there in the community. And you know what it tells me? It says you're wanting to identify. Man, it makes me feel good that you want people to know. You want your friends to know. You want people in Walmart to know. I'm a part of 2911. I, I love that. And so does Jesus. He loves for you to want to identify with him. As a matter of fact, he would probably be a little embarrassed if you didn't want to identify with him. And the first thing he tells us to do is be baptized in identifying with him. And so, so if, we, if we are followers of Christ, then that's one of the things he did. Before he started his public ministry, he was baptized. And then one of the last things he says was, be baptized. And so if you've never been baptized, you need to do that. And if, and if you have not yet signed up, See somebody at the info table or see a staff member, give us na your name and if you've known number or something and we will get you all the information you need to know about next week. It's gonna be an awesome week. And if you've not ever followed Jesus in that, you need to follow Jesus in that. Identify with him. And then go, he goes on, verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. So he invites us, first part of this following is to identify with him. The second part of this following is he, 
this invitation to follow is he invites us to the mission. There is a mission. Hey, there, there are churches all over this world today that need to hear, there is a mission. It's not about just coming together for an hour and 15. There is a mission. There are people that are hurting today. That waitress, you know, that maybe, maybe her spouse left her two months ago and so now she's had to take this job, this extra job on on the, on the weekends to be able to make ends meet to raise her kids by herself. She needs some ministry. That boss who's going to be a little too much of a boss this week, you know, and you're going to be really ticked at them. Jesus doesn't call us to point out people's faults. He calls us to give people love and mercy. And you can't give somebody mercy until they don't deserve it. And that's when it's mercy. And so there is a mission. He calls us to the mission. It's not just the Sunday. Remember what Hosea said? Remember what Jesus, when he quoted that? Remember when he challenged the Pharisees? Remember 1 Corinthians 13? It's not just about these moments. It's not, sacrifice by itself is not enough. That if, if you come in on Sunday morning and you check it off, okay, God, I did my service to you. I've been here for an hour and 15 minutes. The rest of the week is mine. You're really not a follower of Christ because Christ was doing good all the time. Everywhere he found somebody that was hurting or in need, he was, he was ministering to them. His life was full of interruptions. I mean, he couldn't get through a meal. He couldn't sit in, somebody, he couldn't sit in somebody's house somebody, without somebody tearing the roof off and dropping somebody that needed to be healed right in their lap. I mean, he was, his life was full of interruptions. And if you are a Christ follower, you're, you're invited to be a part of the mission. And if you're a Christ follower, you are going to be involved in that mission somehow or you're not following Christ. But here's the flip side of that. See, there's a lot of people that they do this hour and 15 minute thing on Sunday and think that's all that there is. Uh-huh. There's a mission. But there's a lot of people today that have gotten this attitude of, well, I can be involved in Christ's mission. I can do good and not go to church. You can do good when not go to, there are a lot of people that don't go to church and do good, but you can't follow Christ and not go to church. You know why? Because Jesus loved his father's house. He loved his father's house. But his father's house wasn't the church. We are the church, right? And the church is called in the Bible, the bride of Christ. How can we follow Christ and not love his bride? You can't do it. So see, it's both. You can't just do the hour and 15 minutes, and you can't just do the mission, but he invites us to be involved in both. You know why? Go back to simple truth last week. Two great commandments. What? Love God with everything you are. Identify with him. Be a part of he, who he is and his, his, you know, his uh, body and, and his bride. Be a part of that, and then get involved in the mission because the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, to love others as yourself, just like you would love yourself. So it's both of those things. You have to do both. And when you do both, and, and, and I know what some people think, some people think, but like, you know, this week, I, you want me looking for somebody to do something nice for? I'm the person that needs something nice this week. I, I'm going to tell you something. Whatever that is that you need from God, I didn't say this in the first service. I don't know why I felt prompted to say it right here. This, Whatever it is you need from God this week, on a smaller scale, do it for somebody else and plant a seed. 
Uh, some, somebody here might need $1,000 to just meet a, meet a big bill this week. But you know what? There's somebody that you're going to run into this week that just needs $10 just to put gas in to get back and forth to work so they can get through the week. And you take that $10 you give to somebody and you've planted a seed. If you've got a need, then do something to plant a seed and give God some opportunities. And it's not all financial. You know, you, you, need, you need some love, you need some peace, you need to, then, then give somebody some this week and let God. You need somebody's time, then give somebody some time this week and give God an opportunity. Give, you, you, you got to give him the opportunity to do something. The, this, is, this is it just before we come to the front. And be sure of this, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the last thing Matthew records, Jesus saying, I'm going to be with you all the time. So then the call, the invitation to follow Jesus is to identify with him, be a part of the mission, and just come to me. Just be with me. I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of the age. It's just to come to Jesus. And let me, let me say this just before I invite you down front. Because when I say come to Jesus, some of you Christians sitting out there, you think I'm just talking to people that don't know Jesus yet because they need to come to Jesus. They need to get to know him. They need to ask him to be savior. I'm talking to some Christians today too because it's been a long time since you came to Jesus. You've been trying to do things all by yourself. You've got ideas. You've got to wait. I, I, I still think I can figure this out. Or it's just been a long time since you've really prayed or you've really sought God. You've gone into scripture and you've dug and... and I'm not just talking to people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking to people who know Jesus. And it's been a while since you came to Jesus. Today, he says, come to me. And I want to read you three scriptures that remind you of that today, just before we close. Would you join me at the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song, and we'd love to have you join us. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. So please come this way. Thank you. Step on the end a little bit. Let the people get out of their aisles. <clears throat> Every week, the prayer team comes and, st comes and turns and faces you. You know why? Because we're hoping you'll come to Jesus and let us help you get to him today. We know that you've got needs. And we want to help you get to the place of accepting and believing that God's going to do something amazing for you. Let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you need God to do something for you? Raise your hand. I've got mine up, and not just so that you will follow me, because I've got something I need God to do. Raise your hand, okay? I don't like playing games to say, okay, you raised your hand, now you better come down here and let us. I don't like playing games. But if you raised your hand, you need to let a prayer team member pray with you because Jesus said, where two of you agree on earth concerning anything, it will be done. I, you need something done? Or do you want to come back next week and say, I've still got a need? You need something done? Because it is such, it is such a stressor for the for pastors to see people with needs. And I know I know what your needs. I'm not just saying okay, everybody's got a need. I mean, I know what your needs are, and to and, and to not see you just take take a step to come to Jesus. Say, well, I can do that at my house. Yeah, but He also says, where two on earth agree concerning anything, or He says, those who are sick call for the elders. You know. It's, so, please, this morning, let's come to Jesus. Let's get with Jesus. 
And uh, you know what? If everybody that has a need steps forward and lets these prayer team members, we're going we're gonna to have, you're going to have to wait a little bit. You're going to have to stand in line maybe. That'd be an awesome thing because we want to believe for you. 37 scriptures. I'm, I'm going to go through these as quick as I can. I've got to say a couple things about them. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 37, Jesus says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water flow from within them. You know what that says to me? Those of you who are just flat out empty, you are drained. Some of you have jobs that just drain you, right? Amen. Nod your head, amen, or something. Some of you have two-year-olds that literally just drain you. Somebody say amen, or maybe one or three-year-olds or what. Or some of you have teenagers that literally drain you. Teenagers, you have parents that literally drain you, right? And he says, come to me. I'm not just going to fill you. He says, I'm going to put inside of you a wellspring that it won't be like you just get your thirst quenched. It will be pouring out of you. But here's the concern. As I was speaking just a few moments ago, John chapter 5 Verse 39, the religious leaders, they had, they had been a, kind of attacking Christ and asking him questions, and he, he said, you know what? You guys search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. That would be like this afternoon, you want to go somewhere, and so you pull out a map, and you're looking to figure out how to get from point A to point B. You pull out the map, there's point A, there's point B, and still, you don't follow the map to get to point B. That's what he's saying you're doing. You're reading the Bible to find what you need, and then when you find what it is, you still won't do it. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is ready. He invites you to follow him, and not just follow him in salvation, but to follow him to your need, to your liberty, to your freedom, to your deliverance, to your healing, to whatever it is. He's inviting you to follow him in that. And so now that you know that, then step forward. Let a prayer team member, let us pray. Let me, a prayer team member, pray with you today. Let's come to Jesus today. And lastly, Matthew 11 Verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yes, there is following to do, but the following of him is easy and light. And he says over and over and over. See so the first three words there in that, in, in that last passage? He says it over and over and over. Come to me. Bow with me, if you will.